0: Church, uh, so glad that you guys are joining us uh, online again today for our Sunday service. You know, I can't believe that this is already our sixth week uh, into the quarantine. And so I'm pretty sure that no one at home right now is saying, man, life is so easy. And so we just hope that you're hanging in there. Uh, we are thinking about you. You might feel alone, but I want you to know that you're not alone. The church is with you. We're praying for you. Uh, today is a special day. We're kicking off a new sermon series uh, called The Letter to the Colossians. And we're calling it The Letter to the Colossians because that's exactly what it is. It's a letter uh, from Paul to a church in a place called Colossae. We, we don't want you to get the wrong idea. I mean, this, uh, this is normally called The, the Book of Colossians. But we don't want you to get the idea that Paul is somehow, you know, writing from the comforts of his home, writing another book or a new book and ready to publish on Amazon or uh, coming out with a book launch team. He's not writing from the comforts of uh, a Starbucks in Rome. Paul is actually in jail, in chains, because of the gospel that he was preaching. And he's writing this letter to a church in Colossae. This church in Colossae was actually formed and it began... um, when Paul was actually preaching the gospel in a city called Ephesus. Uh, This was a city about 80 miles from uh, uh, Colossae, which is kind of the western part of modern-day Turkey. And while Paul was preaching the gospel in Ephesus... Uh, about 80 miles away, there were actually a couple visitors from Colossae. One of them, by the name of Epaphras, Epaphras, which you're going to see in Colossians. And what happens is this: this man named Epaphras, who was not a believer, uh, goes from Colossae to Ephesus. He hears. Paul preaching the gospel, and then he believes his life is transformed, his life is changed. He has this conviction and this calling to now go back to where he's from and to share this same gospel that Christ has risen and the good news of Jesus to all the people in Colossae, and this is how the church was formed. And so Epaphras has planted this church and... After a few years, um, he's, he's, he's experiencing some growth, and he feels led to go back to Paul to make a visit and to uh, kind of give him a report on how the church in Colossae is doing. And so what Paul is doing in this letter to the Colossians is upon hearing this report, Paul is just simply responding to everything that he's heard. And so today what I want to do is I want to talk to you about prayer. I want to talk to you about prayer because what you're going to notice in Colossians chapter 1 is that that's how Paul opens up his letter. He begins with a prayer. And he says, we always thank God to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. We always thank God when we pray for you. You know, this past week as I was studying Colossians, as I was reading through Paul's prayer, uh, man, it really began to speak to me in a personal way. It began challenging me, encouraging me, uh, convicting me. One of the things that it's done for me is it's caused me to um, take inventory of my own prayer life. It's caused me to think about, you know, what do I pray you know, what's, what's my prayer life filled with? What are the words that are actually coming out of my mouth? I asked that question that Paul, Paul says, we always thank God. And I, I began asking myself, what is it that I always pray? Is it full of thanksgiving? What do I always pray? Maybe that's a good question for you today as you think about your prayers. What do you pray? Because I think what you pray actually says a lot about where you are. You can know a lot about someone and where they are in life and with God by what you pray. You know, but maybe for you the question isn't so much about, you know, what do you pray? Maybe the question is just, do you pray? Right? Do you pray? I want to show you a picture uh, of my, something that my son posted about two weeks ago. He did this activity with the kids ministry in our church. Shout out to beloved kids and um and he basically Uh, His job was to not come up with the question or the uh, artwork. His job was to color it. And what he did was he he colored it and he was so proud that he posted it on the fridge. And he actually asked me, Daddy, can you take a picture of me with this on the fridge? And so I did. And if you look at the second picture, if you look more closely, you're going to see that this uh, posted, this artwork, this kids' activity had a question. And the question reads, Did you think to pray? I hope you guys are seeing this picture from where you are. Did you think to pray? I'm not making this story up. This literally is on my refrigerator right now. Did you think to pray? And this note has been speaking to me for the last two weeks. I guess it's a good thing, right? But it's been speaking to me every time I walk by the fridge, which is every 30 minutes. It's been speaking to me. Did you, James, think to pray? Are you praying and man, it's been challenging me, it's been encouraging me, it's been convicting to me, it's been speaking to me, and I wish I could say that it's, it, it's, it's speaking to me because my, my son's coloring was so awesome, but man, it, it, it really wasn't. It, it's not because my son's coloring was so good. You know, I mean, it's all right, it, it's okay, it's like, you know, it could use some work, but I think it's speaking to me because of where he put it. He put it on the fridge. Like, he just knows that that's where daddy's gonna be again. And again, like he he knows that daddy's going to be there at 7 a.m. And then again at 8, and then 9, and 10. He's going to be there all day. But here's what I want to say. What a a blessing it is to have things in your life that actually invite you to pray. Right? What a blessing that is. To have, whether it's a a note on the fridge, whether it's a a prayer list or a journal that you have, whether it's a a prayer request that somebody in your uh, life has shared with you, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's, Something in your small group or someone in your small group is going through a situation and, you, and you, you, they ask you to pray. What a blessing it is to have things in your life that cause you to pray, that invite you to pray. Things like even like the crisis, the silver lining is that maybe in this pandemic and maybe this, this quarantine has actually caused you and I to pray more than ever before. And what a blessing that is. That as the children of God, we can actually have access to our Heavenly Father And we can actually present our request to God, and God actually hears it, and God actually cares, and he actually wants to be our provision. What a blessing that is to be able to pray. But my message today is not so much on, you know, how much we pray. It's about how we pray. I want to talk to you today about how we pray. Not so much how long we pray and how much we pray, but I, wanna, I want us to look at Colossians and think about how we actually pray. In fact, I want you to look at Colossians again. And if you have your Bible, I want you to take it out. We're going to look at verse 3, and this is what Paul says. We always thank God when we pray for you. And so what Paul does in the opening letter of Colossians, he says that when he prays, he's always giving thanks. That's how Paul prays. He's, he's full of thanksgiving. He's always giving thanks to God. And he's not thanking God for himself. He's thanking God for them. He's thanking God on their behalf for what God has done for them. You know, so many times in our prayer time or my prayer life, I, I, I know that when I thank God, it's usually like about me. It's usually about what God has blessed me with, what provision he's met, what need he, he, has, he has filled. And it's usually about me. Anytime I give thanks, it's usually about me. Paul, when he prays and he gives thanks for them. I thought to myself this week, do I do that? Am I full of thanksgiving? Am I, do I pray full of thanksgiving, especially for other people? And I thought, well, I do. I do at times. I pray. In fact, I even teach my son to pray a prayer of thanksgiving to say thank you for this day and thank you for this food. And my worry is that, you know, as a pastor and even as a Christian, my worry is that when we thank God in our prayers, that it's just something we tack on. You know what I mean? It's just kind of, the, it's just, it's just words, but it just has no meaning. It's hollow. It, it almost acts as if these are just filler words, something we just put on at the end. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this food. And it really made me ask the question, man, do I really believe That every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. And do I actually take time to not be so focused on what's not going well, but to actually thank God for what he's already given me and what I already have in Christ? Do I take time to look back at my day, to look back at my month, and to look back at my year and say, Man, man, God, that growth, that provision, that thing, that work, that wasn't me. That was all you. And so not, not thanks be to me, but thanks be to God, to count all our blessings and made me consider, man, are my prayers full of thanksgiving? I want to challenge you when you pray, Are you full of thanks? Paul prays a prayer of thanksgiving. You know And you might say to me, "Well, what if I don't feel like I'm thankful? Well, what if I don't feel grateful? And I want to just say this. Sometimes we pray because we're thankful, but sometimes we're thankful because we pray. Let me play that back. Sometimes we pray because we're thankful, but sometimes we're thankful because we pray. You'll be amazed at how many times when you go to God and you start to count your blessings and remember who you are in Christ and what he's done for you in Christ, even if you didn't feel it, you start thanking him for it and you'll see how much gratitude starts to rise up. Sometimes we pray because we're thankful, but sometimes we're thankful because we pray. Paul says, man, I, I always thank God for you when I pray for you. And this is why he says, since we have heard. So he's, saying, he's talking about the report that he's had from this guy named Epaphras who started the church. He's saying, since we've heard about things that are going on in your church, we have not stopped giving thanks. Every time we remember you, man, we thank God for you. And and this is why when Paul is praying a prayer of thanksgiving, you might say, well, he he seems like he's so blessed. And I want to just remind you, when you read Colossians and he's thanking God, it's not because he's so blessed, though he is, he's thanking God because Colossae is so blessed. Look at what he says in verse 3. Since we have heard about your faith, about your faith, about your love for all the saints. How incredible is that? Your faith in Christ and your love for all the saints. Because of the hope that's laid up for you in heaven. Paul's not talking about himself. He's thanking God for Colossae because of their faith, their love, and their hope. They've got this faith that they never had, even just a few years before. They've got this love for all the the saints. A, A couple years ago, they were just strangers, but now God has made them a family. Now they have this hope laid up for them in heaven. Colossians have this confidence about their future, I want to just pause there because I think you need to hear this, that in the midst of our global pandemic, in the midst of a quarantine, I want you to know that in Christ, there is a hope. In Christ, there is a confidence. Colossae had it. Paul had it. And God wants you to have it. There is a hope that the Colossians had, a confidence that that it doesn't ignore the present trials and the present hardships. But what it does is that this future confidence gives them what they need to to face and to endure and to persevere through the present challenges and hardships. And this same hope that they had is the same hope that we have. So Paul mentions, you know, I thank God because of faith, hope, and love. Does that that ring a bell? Paul um, mentions the triad of faith, hope, and love. He actually talks about this in other letters to different churches. And he's thanking God for them because if you think about where they come from, they come from God. He says, I thank God for your faith. I thank God for your love. And I thank God for your hope. And he's saying, Paul's saying, hey, church, hey, Colossae, hey, Colossians. I have heard about your church. And he's like, I'm encouraged. And I have not stopped thanking God for you. And I want to pause there. It made me ask the question this this week. Man, if Paul were writing a letter to Church of the Beloved, if Paul were writing a letter to our church, I, I wonder what would Paul say? You ever wonder that? Like if this was the letter to the Church of the Beloved, what would Paul say? Would Paul say, man, I have heard about your preaching? Would he say, I've heard about... Your small groups, your strategies, your programs. I've seen the new logo. I've seen the new new website. What what would Paul say? And And those are all great things. Those are good things. But those are just a means to an end. Or would Paul say, church of the beloved, man, I'm encouraged because I've heard about your faith in Jesus Christ. And I've heard about the love you have for all the saints. Not just the ones you like. But for all the saints and i've heard about the hope that's laid up for you i've heard about the confidence that you have in the midst of a global crisis i'm encouraged by what paul is praying to the church in colossae and so this church is just a few years old but man they're experiencing some incredible growth they're they're, they're experiencing incredible progress they're not fully mature christians uh, they're only a few years old if, if you know, you, you could say they're, they're kind of these infant or baby Christians right now, but they're actually growing and they're actually in process and they're actually in progress. And so what Paul is trying to do in Colossians, here's a theme. Here's, here's the overarching theme of Paul's letter to the Colossians. He wants them to continue. He wants them to continue uh, in Christ, in the Christian faith, in Christian maturity. In other words, Paul is encouraged and he's saying keep Going, continue in Christ to full Christian maturity. That's that's Paul's heart. That's Paul's theme all across Colossians. Paul thanks God for them. Now I want you to hear this. Paul thanks God for them when he prays for them because he's heard about them, which tells me he doesn't know them. Let Let me rewind a little bit. Paul prays for them, always thanking God for them because he's only heard about them, which tells me he doesn't even know them. I'm telling you, Paul is praying constantly for a people he doesn't even know. He's never seen them. He's never met them. He doesn't know what they look like. He's only heard of them. But he's thanking God and praying to God for a people he doesn't even know. I was so challenged. And how different is that from the way I pray? How different is that from maybe the way you've prayed? So many times, have you noticed that when we pray, most of our prayers, if not all of our prayers, are just for the people we know? And then from the people we know, it's the people we like. And so the circle gets smaller and smaller. It's just my family. It's just my small group. It's just those in the church I like. It's just so-and-so. It's just my closest friends. And what a beautiful reminder in the way Paul prays. What an encouragement to us to consider and to look for ways in which we can pray for other people. People that we may not even know. Paul goes on and then he says this. He says this in verse 9. He says, and so from the day we've heard, right, he's only heard about it. And so, another other translations, they say, for this reason, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray. Paul's saying there is an unceasing prayer. There is a prayer that, and he's not saying, listen, this is, this is obviously not Paul saying, like, that's all I do every day. Like, I don't even sleep. I don't even eat. I just pray. That's not what Paul's saying. When Paul saying that we have not ceased to pray, what he's saying is that there is an ongoing, constant, consistent, regular prayer that's not finished. It keeps going. He regularly remembers them in his prayers. And every time he remembers them, he's thanking God and he's also praying for them. And he has not ceased to pray. What a blessing it is to have been on pr- uh, Paul's prayer list. Right? Just to think that, man, you have someone that's constantly praying for you. You have have confidence that there's someone in your life that has not ceased to pray for you. What a blessing that is. You know, it made me think about my mom For for, for the last 25 years and still to this day. I know that my mom, I have confidence that my mom is praying for me every single day. And I know this because I've actually witnessed it. When I was 16 years old, 1997, I want to take you way back, 23 years ago. In 1997, my father uh, was in the electronics business, all right? And so we had a lot of TVs. And back in the day, in 1997, my my dad, in the living room, he had this huge 60-inch TV. But it was more like a 60-inch box, because if you remember back in 97, this is right before the, uh, the uh, thin flat screen TVs would come out that can just like, it's like, you know, as thin as a book and you just put it on your wall. This is before, before that time. Our 60-inch TV was this huge, big box. Many of you guys might know and remember what that was like. Well, my dad, uh, because he was in the electronics business, I think he caught some vision. Of this flat screen, thin flat screen TV, but he couldn't afford it. But he was creative. So one day, my dad, like out of nowhere, he got his tool set and then he just started breaking down the drywall in our living room. This is a true story. He just started breaking down the wall, putting this hole, and my mom and my brother were freaking out. We're like, What are you doing? Why are you tearing down the place we live? Why are you doing this in our house? And he's like, Don't worry. You're going to see. And so we just watched my dad for like a few days. He's just breaking down the drywall. I mean, it's just, it's messy. The, you know, drywall pieces are all, all over our living room, he's breaking it down. And finally, when he's done breaking down the wall, he says, help me put the TV in. And so I start to help him and I start moving this TV in with him. And he puts this 60-inch TV. I'm talking about like it's a huge box of a TV. I, it's, it's kind of like two refrigerators put together, if you can imagine that. And, and he, uh, he, you know, we, we put this big old TV into the wall and he's sliding and he's like, push it more, push it more. And he slides it all the way to the end of the wall where the screen is basically in one alignment with the wall. And then, he, and then it, and we look back and it's just, it's a perfect fit. I mean, it just, it just went in there so smooth and he starts to smooth out the edges of the wall and then he takes a, a few hours to repaint and, and I'm telling you, man, it was a beautiful thing. In 1997, if you were to come to our house and watch TV in our living room, it would blow your mind. Because you, you, in 97, you've never seen anything like it. You're like, man, where would you get that? And we're like, we always had it. And it, my dad just put in this wall and it was, it was awesome. It was the best thing. Until you walk around the hall and you get to my room and you realize that the other side of that wall was my room. Until you realize that the butt of this big TV was in my room. Until you realize that my room has shrunk 35%. And man, I could hear everything. Because of that wall and that TV, I heard every commercial. You know, I'm trying to go to bed, and I could hear every every show that they're watching. I can hear them talking. I can hear their whispers. But all this to say there was a silver lining, and here's what it was. In 97, I was going through cancer. I had a battle with cancer. But in that year, every day, I would hear my mom at 5.30 in the morning. I heard her go into the living room. I heard her open the pages of scripture, spending time with God, and I can hear my mom pray. And I'm telling you, those prayers are powerful. Those prayers encouraged me. You know, those prayers carried me. And I thought, man, what an incredible blessing it is to have someone in your life that's constantly praying for you. Do you have someone in your life that's constantly praying for you? Or maybe even better yet, Maybe God is calling you. Maybe God wants you to be that person for someone else. Paul in verse 9 says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. We have not ceased to pray for you. And that kind of prayer is not easy, right? Prayer itself is not easy. Let's be honest. I think for a lot of us, you know, if it weren't for difficult circumstances, you know, unless circumstances drive us to it, a lot of us, we just won't even pray. You know, I'm not not talking about prayer meetings. I'm talking about prayer life. The easy thing to do is just join a prayer meeting. But the hard work is to have a prayer life. Prayer is not easy, right? It's not easy. Sometimes, you know, we just don't take prayer seriously, Sometimes we think too much of ourselves and too little of God. Sometimes we overestimate what we can do and underestimate what God can do. You know, sometimes we just we, we're not even mindful of the re, in the reality that inside of us there's an inward battle with the real enemy that wants to rob you of every opportunity of talking with God. Or maybe you feel like, you know, why do I why why, why would I pray? when I don't feel like it's really changing my life? Why would I pray when I don't feel like it's really affecting my life? And you, you might be asking, you know, what's the difference? I want to read you a quote by Max Lucato. You should see this on your screen. It says, Our prayers may be awkward, and our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it, and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. And how true is that? That our, the power of our prayers is not in the one who says it, but it's in the one who hears it. And so our prayers do make a difference. Church, I want to ask you, what motivates you to pray? What, what makes you pray? And, and if I were to take it a step further, you know, what would be that thing that motivates you to pray without ceasing? What, what would be that thing that would make you to pray constantly regularly like i i keep praying for this well i want you to look at colossians once again and i want you to think about what is it that motivated paul to pray without ceasing he, he's just said it i have we have not stopped praying for you we have not ceased to pray for you and the question that i ask is what was the motivation paul why why would you not stop praying And he says in verse 9, he says right before, from this day we heard, or for this reason, and so. What what he's saying is, you know, we haven't stopped praying for you because of what we heard about you. What, What did Paul hear about? He heard good news. He heard that they were growing. He heard that they had faith. He heard that people were coming to know Christ. He heard that they had this love for all the saints. He heard that they had hope and so what paul heard was progress what paul heard was that they're doing well and i want you to hear me out paul prays for the church without ceasing not because they aren't doing well but because they are amen by myself paul prays for the church without ceasing, not because they aren't doing well, but because they are. How different is that from the way we usually pray? We pray more when things aren't well. We pray more when my small group's not well. We pray more when our church isn't well. We'll hold prayer meetings. We'll hold emergency meetings. We'll pray more because my family is not well. We pray more because I'm unemployed. We pray more because I'm sick. We pray more when things aren't well. But Paul prays more because things are well. Here's why. Because if things are good, he realizes that it wasn't because of us, it was because of God. He realizes that any kind of growth, any kind of progress, any faith, hope, and love is not from you, it's from God. What got you here today was not you, but it was God. So then, what got you here today is the one who's going to get you to tomorrow. So he prays more so that God would help them continue from infancy to maturity, progress to continue to the day of perfection till they're fully conformed to the likeness of Christ. You know, we pray more when there's a crisis, a pandemic. We pray more when there's a problem. Paul prays more when there's progress. I want, you, I want that to sink in a little bit. It might, it might actually challenge you this week in how you pray. Instead of praying about all the things that aren't well, count your blessings. See what God is doing. Where is God moving? How is God working? Where is there progress? And pray more that you and I would continue to full maturity in Christ. This is why Paul prays. It's a different approach to prayer. It's a different how we pray. Right? And then he goes on and look at verse 9. He says, you know, we we, we have not ceased to pray for you from this day, from the day we heard asking, asking that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will. Filled with the knowledge of his will. That word fill or, or that you may be filled, is, that phrase is actually one word in the Greek. And, and it's actually alluding to a time thousands of years ago when, when they would actually uh, uh, load up supplies and equipment uh, onto ships. And that these ships would would have all the supplies and fully supplied and fully equipped for their voyage. This is the language Paul uses when he's saying, I want them to be filled with the knowledge. What he's saying is, I want them to be fully equipped for their voyage. Uh, But what Paul is saying is, I want Church of the Beloved to be so full and fully equipped that they have everything they need in Christ for the life that God wants them to live. To be filled with knowledge. You know, in our day, we think about knowledge as just uh, information, right? And there's a Greek word for that called gnosis, head knowledge. But the Greek word Paul uses is not gnosis. It's the word epinosis. And what that means is it's an intensified knowledge. It, it's actually not a head knowledge. It's a heart knowledge. It's, it's a knowledge that's actually intensified because of the experience you have with the knowledge that you have. It's an experiential knowledge. And he's saying that's the knowledge that he wants the church to have in Christ. Not a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge. An experiential, day-to-day, life-to-life with God knowledge. You know, in the same way where where I know my wife in in ways that other people won't. Like, I know my son in ways that other people won't. Because there's a day-to-day, life-to-life experience. Did you know that God doesn't want you to just have information? God wants you to have intimacy. He wants you to have a day-to-day, life-to-life epinosis to be filled with the knowledge of who Christ is, to have the fullness of Christ, to know his will and full of spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, Paul wants the church, Paul wants our church to be so full that we see life the way God sees our life. And we not only see what God sees, but we actually do what God says. That's Paul's heart, that you will be filled with this knowledge, with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In other words, Paul's prayer is different from ours because we pray so much about, you know, God, I need this, I need that. And I'm not saying that's bad. God actually wants us to pray for provision. But so much of a prayer is driven by our gifts, driven by what we want God to give us. Give me, give me, give me. But Paul prays and he's asking God to fill their lives not with gifts but with growth. You guys hear me? Paul is asking God to fill their life not with gifts, but with growth. In other words, he's not just talking about physical needs here, he's talking about spiritual needs that every Christian needs. And I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to keep praying to God with all your requests. Like, you know, I know in this crisis that a lot of people are suffering with a lot of physical needs. You know, jobs that, you know, with lots of jobs unemployment, you're not sure how to pay for things, you're not sure how to provide, maybe it's an emotional need, Um, maybe it's just, you know, you feel very isolated, maybe depression is starting to kick in, maybe maybe you're all alone in your place, and and there's all these physical needs, and I'm not saying those are bad. I want to encourage you to keep doing that because you have access to our Heavenly Father who provides everything that you need. What I'm saying is don't let your prayers be driven by gifts. Let your prayers be driven by growth. In other words, what I'm saying is don't just pray and stop at your physical needs. I want you to get to the spiritual needs. Get to the place of of what can God do? What are we asking God to do in our hearts, in our walk with him? Do we know his will? Do we have all wisdom and all spiritual understanding? Are we praying for growth? Don't just pray for gifts. Pray for growth. You know, when when you're kind of a baby Christian, It's all about, you know, we we pray, you know, me, 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 you know, give me, bless me, 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 me. I know this because I have a toddler. It's always me, 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 me. And I can't wait to the day he matures. Because what happens is in maturity, me, 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 give me, give me becomes grow me, grow me. And then grow me becomes bless you, bless God. I want, you to, I want you to know that what Paul prays for is he prays for the spiritual growth of the church, right? He says, he says that you will be full of the knowledge of his will with all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And here's why. And, and you might say, well, well, if I pray, you know, Lord, grow me, you know, uh, help me to grow. And, and, you know, I pray, grow me, grow me, grow me. Then you might be asking, then isn't it still about me? But look at what it says in verse 10. It says that, Paul says, I want you to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, So that, or so as, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to who? To you? It says, So walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. The ultimate goal of you growing of you being blessed with spiritual growth is not for you to be blessed and say, bless me, bless me. The ultimate goal of your growth is to actually to bless God. Is to say, Lord, fill me in with spiritual growth so that I can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord so as to fully live a life that's pleasing to you. Ultimately, it's to please God. See, the aim of our growth is not Merely to bless us, the aim of our growth is actually to bless God. So Paul says, if you're filled with the knowledge of his will, it leads to you walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. The ancient Hebrews, they saw knowledge and the walk go hand in hand. They actually believed that you didn't actually know anything until you actually did it. Here's what I'm trying to say. You know, in our day, in our culture... Knowledge is verified by credentials, but in Christ, knowledge is verified by character. Your character, your conduct, your walk verifies what you actually know. And Paul says, I want you to know his will so that you could walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to you. Fully pleasing. To God. Paul wants them to be full. You know, throughout Colossians, what you're going to see is there is this motif of fullness, all through, woven, woven all throughout Colossians, and it's in this prayer too: that you be full, right, of all spiritual wisdom and understanding, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power for all endurance and patience, giving thanks. Giving thanks. And Paul ends this prayer in verse 12. And he says, giving thanks. He goes back to thanksgiving. And you might, you, know, you, know, you might be saying, man, he sounds like a broken record. Didn't he just talk about giving thanks? But this time it's different. Because in verse 3, when he says, we always thank God, it was about Colossae. It was about what God has done for them. But in verse 12, when he says, I give thanks, it's not just about what God has done in Colossae. It's about what God has also done for Paul. Notice the change in language. He goes from you to us. He includes himself. And he says, giving thanks to God for what God has done for us. You know, in verse 12, it says, "Um, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Some manuscripts actually say us who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom, not you, but we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, Paul is thanking God for what what God has done for all of us for all of us even our church even for you in Christ. He's saying give thanks to the Father because he is the one who has qualified us to have all blessings in Christ. He has delivered us and he has he has transferred us from the domain of darkness just as Christ has risen from death. To life in Christ. We have been transferred from darkness into the light. This is the news that drives Paul to say, I give thanks paul is always giving thanks to the father because he sees the father as not just the sender he sees him as the supplier of everything he needs for his life he's writing this in chains in jail but he's giving thanks because god is good and he's good all the time how is it how is it possible that someone in chains can be so grateful And yet someone in the comfort of their own home can't. it's, It's determined by what news dominates your heart. So let me ask you, what's the news that dominates your heart? For Paul, it was the good news. It was the gospel of Jesus. Paul knew that man... Just a few years ago, he was an enemy to God, but now he's a friend of God. Paul knew that, man, he saw his life and he said, I, I, I was a stranger to God. Man, he's adopted me as a son he realizes, man, I used to persecute Christians. I used to, I used to talk bad about the church. I used to curse the church. I used to kill the church. But now I love the church. Now I'm building the church. This is the good news that Paul has. It was the new good news that, man, for Paul and for you, that all of his sins passed present and future were washed away. It was the news that he had a new record and a second chance. It was the news that no matter what he did, by what Jesus did, his eternity was secure. It was the good news that that Jesus would not be with him one day in heaven. It was the good news that Jesus is with him today here on earth. It was the news that no matter what hardship he would face, that Jesus himself endured the cross and he rose again and so it didn't matter what he was facing it didn't matter what crisis he was in Paul had the good news so he gives thanks I want to close with this church this week I want to encourage you to pray here's the application I want to want to encourage you to pray this way first I want you to pray with gratitude Paul prays because of the good news You know, so much of a prayer is driven by bad news, but I think for the church, our prayers should be driven by the good news because of what Christ has done for us. Number two, pray for not just your physical needs, but this week, pray for your spiritual needs. Pray for your spiritual needs, not just to give me, but to grow me so that when God does bless you, you can actually bless God. Number three, pray for others this week. You know, Paul prays for Colossae, people he's never even met. So I want you to think about who might God be putting on your heart this week. You know, it might be be a neighbor. It might be the doorman in your building. It might be someone at church that you may not know that well. But I want you to consider, man, who might God be leading me to pray for? And I want you to ask them, you know, hey, how can I pray for you this week? And can I give you one last tip? I want you to write it down. I want you to write it down. I close with this quote from Paul Miller in a book called *Praying Life*. He says, "I am not naturally a people person, but when I regularly pray for people using some kind of written system, my heart tunes in to them. I am bolder about asking them how they are going uh, because they are already on my heart." And then he says, "This prayer is where I do my best work as a husband, a dad, worker, and friend. Prayer." is where I do my best work. Can I pray for you?